Hello, and welcome to Cross Life Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. We pray that this message from our lead pastor, Chester Passmore, will encourage and challenge you in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening. Matthew 28. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, whether you believe it or not, you are good-looking people. <laughs> okay. I will not. I'm, I'm going to do my best. You're all fixing to giggle. I will. I shall not. I shall not ask for one amen this morning. <laughs> amen. Matthew, Matthew 28, 18. <clears throat> I'm preaching through the uh, Great Commission. Now, here's my deal when it comes to the Great Commission. I don't believe that the Great Commission is a brand new concept in Matthew 28. I believe it's the reiteration from Jesus to his disciples of what he asked them to do, Matthew uh, 10, whenever he sent them out two by two. The reason I believe that is because it's the same language. Authority was given. They went out and did the work of the ministry. And also, it is their response to the prayer. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. The response to the harvest field is the Great Commission. Okay? And so... I believe that Jesus is reminding his disciples right before he's ascended, remember whenever authority was given to you, remember what I told you to do, uh, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out the devils, right? Uh, do the work of the ministry, do that stuff, okay? And I think he's, he's, he's saying, remember that. And so here we are in Matthew 18, Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on, and on earth. Jesus has the authority. If, I did not ask. If Jesus has authority and we are sons and daughters of God, then we have authority. And it is time that we as the body of Christ begin to operate in kingdom authority. Um, this is a simple, this is a simple uh, a simple illustration. At my house, if you come into my house, walk in the front door, just walk over to my refrigerator and start taking anything out that you want, um, I'm going to be like, what, what are you doing? Okay? F Missy fell in love with me because I did that. My dad had taken the pastorate of, of a church that her father was on the deacon board and pastor search committee, and it was their job to... Uh, it was their job to, Missy's and her brother's job, Robbie, to entertain me and my brother as, you know, as the whole uh, trial thing was going on. And so they're talking to my dad and Missy and, and uh, her brother are taking me around Gentry, Arkansas, which is, uh, is a very small town and showing us around. That took about 10 minutes. And like, well, let's go back to the house and watch movies. Okay. And I remember Missy was highly intimidated because of my, <clears throat> you know, look at me. Anyway, so, and so, um. I remember walking in the, the, the front door and sitting down and getting thirsty and not asking a soul, just standing up on my feet because I didn't want to be there. I was mad. 
I didn't want to move, and my mom and dad are dragging me away. Anyway, so I was mad, and so I didn't care, and I just stood up and walked into the refrigerator and pulled, started pouring out some orange juice and drinking me an orange juice. And Missy, I remember later on in life, she told me, I did not know who you were, but I knew you was a jerk. <laughs> and so, anyway, it was true. All right. Amen. <laughs> that was that was funny. That one didn't count. Okay. And so my point is, is that if, if you if, a, if you walk into my house and you walk up to my fridge and you start taking food out of my fridge, I, I, we're gonna have like, hey, either you pay for that or ask or be nice and have some manners. But if my kids walk into and get in the fridge, it's never a question, right? Okay. So if, if they have authority because it's Dad's fridge. You see what I'm saying? And so the kingdom of heaven. And the earth is the Lord's. He has authority over it all. Okay? Because he purchased it in his own blood. He purchased it in his own blood. He's saying, I have authority. And us as kids need to access the fridge of heaven and start operating in his authority. Amen. Okay? Oh, sorry. That won't happen again. Okay, so here we are. Next verse. Therefore... Therefore, since you have authority, therefore, since Jesus has authority over the heaven and over the earth, this is what you need to do. Raise your hand if you're a disciple of Christ. Okay, good. I'm looking for anybody who ain't got their hand up. Uh, Mr. Decasas, we need to work on that, buddy. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm playing. Therefore, because all authority has been given, go. That Greek word means go on your journey. That Greek word there, it means you have the journey that you're supposed to go on. Okay? And so as it's not just go on, it's not just start your journey, but it's as you go on your journey. It's not just the sense of begin something here. It is for the rest of your life as you are traveling down the road of God, as you are entering into the kingdom of God and you are taking this journey in, in his kingdom as you are going. Make disciples. That's, that's as far as we're going to get through right there today. As you go, make disciples. As you go on your journey, this word is interpreted teach or make disciples. Now, we live in a culture, and again, this is not a political statement. This is not a, uh, this is not a uh, whatever statement. We live in a culture where when we think of the word teach, the first thing your mind goes to is a classroom. You think about sitting around. You think about a teacher, an instructor, standing before a classroom and teaching people. It is evidence that the greatest crime being perpetuated against Americans right now is, never mind, that's, that is a political statement, sorry. Okay, it, it has to do with whenever you can go to college for four years and walk out and up to debt for the rest of your life. Because we are so cooked into a system. Is anybody out there? Okay. We're so, am, I, am I against college? No. I want my kids to go to college. Do I think that, uh, that if one of my kids doesn't go to college, they're destined for failure in this world? No, because there's this thing they can do, and that's called apprenticing. They can go find someone who's a master at a craft, come underneath them, and as they do their job, 
They can learn everything. We have, in our Western culture, made discipleship completely about a classroom setting. But the concept is as you go, as you go on your spiritual journey, take somebody with you. There's much more space in my sermon if I don't ask for amens. So here's some questions I want to ask about your journey. Is your journey producing a disciple? Jesus says, I've been given all authority. The first thing I want you to do is as you go on your journey, take somebody with you. Is your journey producing a disciple? The, uh, how can I say this nicely? I probably can't. So I'll just say it the way it's intended to be said in love. We're selfish. Raise your hand if you're selfish. Okay. Raise your hand if you just lied there. Okay, good. If your journey, if your journey's not producing a discipleship, then it's proof that your journey's about you. We make our journey. The Western culture church has made the spiritual journey about you. You go to the church you like. You stay as long as you like. You leave when you like. You want to hear what the preacher preaches, something that you like. You go to the worship that you like. You don't like the worship that you don't like, although it's all for one person, okay? I read the Bible version I like. I I use the study tools I like. It's all about what I like. It's what I do. It's, 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 It's all about me. Well, you feed me, but you don't feed me, so I'm gonna listen to you. Amen? Everything is about me, okay? We, church models for growth is like Disneyland. How can we give you the most magical experience of your visit to Cross Life Church? Tell me I'm wrong about that. Okay? Okay? Jesus would do, I mean, so counterculture to these kind of thoughts. He'd be like, a man would run up to him and say, I want to be your disciple. He'd say, no. Okay, if you want to be my disciple, I need you to sell everything you have and come follow me. That wasn't friendly to his seeking, right? Right? You want to be a book of Acts body of believers? I need you to sell all your possession. Let's put it all in one fund, and we'll all work together. Who wants to sign up for that church? Right? Please wait. If you do, we'll start it. Right? Nobody. No, it was hard. It wasn't easy. It was the most self-sacrificing thing to do was to be a part of a body of believers wasn't, wasn't, when it wasn't about me. Our, our walk with God has become self-centered. When it becomes self-centered, it becomes self-focused. And when it becomes self-focused, then I create a bubble to protect myself. And anything that threatens that bubble, I will fight. So therefore, I walk in offense. I walk in unforgiveness. I walk in, if my ministry, don't touch my ministry, don't tell me how to, how to run my ministry. There's no accountability there's no, there's no, nobody speaking into your life saying, hey, I see this in you. You need to work on this. And, and we're like, no, don't tell me how to walk. The Holy Spirit can tell me. He did. He sent this guy to talk to you. 
Is the Bible clear in Matthew chapter 18 when it's not? It said, brother, go to your brother. God ordained stuff like that, right? But what we want to do is say, no, leave me alone. Holy Spirit knows how to do this. You don't know how to do this. And is that true? But we assume because it comes out of the mouth of a man, it's not the Holy Spirit. Amen? And my point is, is as you go on your journey, take somebody with you, but that's going to actually cause you some inconvenience in life. That's going to cause you some time. That's going to cause you some effort. And if we see a lack of discipleship, you see a lack of you leading anybody in your journey, it's a sign that your journey is about you. All men? That's not amen, it's all men. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a funny joke, too. Okay. How many of y'all grew up saying all men? Let's see, okay. Nobody in here is old English. Is your journey instructing the next generation? Is your journey leading anyone anywhere? If the answer is no, then the obvious question is then are you going anywhere? If I'm not going anywhere, I'm not taking anywhere, anybody anywhere. Amen? And I think the decision not to take somebody with me on my journey ends up proving that the fact that my journey's not going anywhere. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. The first thing I need you to do is go on your journey and take somebody with you. I'm going to skip to Matthew 9. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip First uh, Kings for a second. Jesus gets into a boat and returns to what is considered his hometown, Capernaum. Are you with me? Are y'all with me? Just then, some people brought a paraplegic man to him. Paraplegic man to him, lying on a sleeping mat. When Jesus perceived the strong faith within their hearts, he said to the paralyzed man, my son, be encouraged, your sins have been forgiven. Verse 3, these words prompted some of the religious scholars who were present to think, what are you talking about? You're blasphemous. He didn't ask for his sins to be forgiven. He asked to be healed, and who do you think you are that you can forgive sins? His name is, yeah, okay, All right. your sins have been forgiven. Jesus supernaturally perceived their thoughts because he's baptizing the Holy Ghost and he operates in the Spirit, amen? He has a word of knowledge and he says, why do you carry such evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk, okay? Now, to convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority, there's that word again. To convince you that the Son of Man has been given authority to forgive sins, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. I remember whenever I was in revival, uh, we would be, we would be uh, remember when we was in revival, and the end of a service would come about 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, and people would still be going and getting prayer, and people would be falling out in the spirit everywhere, and the head usher of the church would flash the lights, and he would say, uh, pick up your mat and go home. <laughs> it was hilarious. Every night he would do that because that was funny. Okay, now anyway, verse 7, immediately the man sprang up to his feet and left for home. When the crowds witnessed the miracle, they were awestruck. 
They shouted praises to God because he had been given authority. So here we are, twice. Jesus understands his authority. The people now understand he has authority. And the first action after authority is this. As Jesus left Capernaum, Capernaum, he came upon a tax collecting station. Tax collectors were not good guys. They were bad guys. They would take and steal money from people who were trying to do their, uh, their government responsibility. They were thieves. They were crooks. They were liars. They were cheats. They're with me. Okay? A treacherous, traitorous Jew was busy at his work collecting taxes for the Romans. His name was Matthew. He's also your associate pastor. Okay, now. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Jesus is walking by. Listen, you, I have authority. The people understand I have authority. The first thing he does with his authority is Matthew. Come follow me. We don't call people into following us in discipleship because we aren't convinced that we have authority. And at best, we're trying to just live as best as we can. Most of us, honestly, are too ashamed to ask somebody to follow us in our walk because of the junk and the baggage that we continually, habitually deal with. We don't understand who we are because we don't understand who he is. He is the one with all authority, and I am his beloved, and my beloved is mine. Okay? And so Jesus says to, the, to this, I mean, I, 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 I'm not understanding where the conversion experience happens here. All he's recognized is this guy is a treacherous traitorous tax collector and all he says to him is do you want to go to heaven today i need you to go to heaven today you don't want to go to hell hell is really bad if you go to hell you're going to burn forever so you need to go to heaven so will you talk i want to talk to you about going to heaven is that what jesus did is that what we in the western world do the first thing we find somebody treacherous and try to convince them not to burn for the rest of eternity Oh, well, gee, man, when you put it that way, I don't want to burn for eternity. I will repeat your prayer. I'm not sure that I've made a commitment to follow the kingdom of God and following discipleship of the one who called me. Okay. I'm putting my hand in my pockets. Come follow me, Jesus said. Immediately, Matthew jumped up and began to follow Jesus. Later, Jesus goes to Matthew's house and made himself at home. Many other tax collectors and outcasts of society were invited to meet with Jesus and his disciples. When those known as the Pharisees, God bless the Pharisees, saw what was happening, they were indignant and they kept asking Jesus' disciples, why would your master... Dine with such low lives. <laughs> Jesus overheard this and he said, Healthy people. 
don't need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. Church, there is a serious deficiency. I'm not talking about just in the Western culture, although it's true. I'm not talking about in church in America, although it's true. I'm not talking about just in the state of Arkansas, although it's true. I'm not even talking about just in El Dorado, although it's true. I'm talking about in cross-life church, and it is true. We don't want to really get our hands dirty. All of us who are going somewhere should be able to turn around and see somebody following us. All of us who are going somewhere, as the first commandment of the Great Commission, not the first suggestion, the first commandment of the Great Commission, take somebody on your journey. Here's my question to you. Here's where I want you to examine your life. Who's following you? Who have you invited, as Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ? Who have you invited into your life to examine and watch your journey? Now, here's the thing is I can look around the room and I can tell you who you followed at some point, right? Patty's here. Are y'all happy Patty's here? Are y'all happy she can talk? Mm, okay, anyway, so... Patty's here. I pulled up to the church about, I don't know, 7.45. What, 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 what day was it? Monday? Monday of this week? Saw a truck I didn't recognize, and out popped a man who made my heart happy. His name is Marshall Sharp. And I walked over to him, and I gave him a big old hug, and I said, man, it's good to see your face. He hugged on me, and we talked, and we, 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 we caught up for a few minutes, and I said, what are you doing, man? He's like, um, I'm going inside to the sanctuary, and I'm meeting Patty, and we're going to pray. Patty will tell you when it comes to intercession, she's got about two people in her life that really mentored her. One would be Marshall Sharp, and one would be Gene Jones, correct? And, and Marshall Sharp... Still to this day, when she has questions about intercession, we praying, who do you call? Marshall, right? Because Marshall made a decision at some point to go on a journey of intercession and take somebody along. He's not, he's not teaching a class. He doesn't say, I need you to uh, come, come and, and get on my Facebook page and look at my daily devotional. Nothing wrong with those things. I teach a class. It's fantastic. It really stinks as a means of ultimate discipleship for your life. Y'all don't even aim it. Anyway, so, but Marshall had made a decision a long time ago to take somebody on, her, on, on his journey. Where's the Marshall Sharp who's taking somebody on their, on their journey? Are y'all there? Are you there? Well, you don't understand. Uh, I'm not ready. You know, my life's kind of in shambles right now. You're never going to be ready to take somebody on your journey because you yourself are processing your own journey. Now, if you're an addict and you're you know, all that kind of stuff, I, yeah, you should probably clean up a little bit. But if you're just dealing with no, normal Christian struggles, don't wait to be ready. I'm telling you the key to your readiness is in actually 
pouring into somebody else. Okay? I was at uh, this last weekend. Glad Raylan and Jim are here. Somebody say amen. And um, somebody asked me to go help and uh, play at Raylan's best friend Marietta's funeral. Friend for 50-something years. Isn't that cool? How many of you have had a friend for 50-something years? Okay. That's a long time. You ain't even 50 years old, are you? I'm talking to her. <laughs> okay? And the point is, is there's this lifelong friend, and I had met her a couple of times. She had come to church, church come time. We, you know, shook hands, and, and when she was real sick, uh, Raylene asked me, and I went over to Camden and prayed for her, and so I'd met her a couple of times. I really don't know her. When you get to the funeral, the place is packed. And you begin to sense that this was not just your normal everyday church-going lady. And people would tell stories and people would share and people, and you could see the impact that her Christian walk was having not on a generation, but generations. As pastors were standing in the pulpit and saying, I don't know who is going to pray with me now. As friends were saying, who's going to pray? I mean, the impact that she had on people around her, she was taking people with her on her journey. And that was the day this sermon started in my mind. If tomorrow, if tomorrow Chester is called to heaven with Jesus, have I made a difference in anybody's life? Did I take anybody with me on my journey? Or did I do what I wanted to do the way I wanted to do it, when I wanted to do it, and how I wanted to do it? Was I too busy to be inconvenienced? Or did I turn or can I turn around? When he hands out crowns, can I turn around and see that people, people would follow me on my journey as I gave them the invitation to follow me as I follow Christ? And I'm telling you, <clears throat> I don't know. How many of us can confidently stand up in this room right now and say, I know I'm taking people with me on my journey? And it is the first commandment of the Great Commission. The silence is the amen that I need right there. If you're not producing a disciple... I really have to ask you, are you going anywhere? One more passage of scripture and, I, and we'll be done. Give me 1 Kings. 1 Kings 19, Elijah and Elisha. Elijah has just... Uh, he, he has beat up some bad guys, right? I mean, the God did it with him, you know, and then he took off their heads, you know, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and now Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. And so he's running, right? 
and he runs under a shade tree. Angel of the Lord comes and ministers to him for a little while. He gets up from there and makes a 40-day, 40-night journey. Who who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. After that journey, he goes into a cave. And in that cave, God shows up and he says to him, what are you doing here? See, he was taking a break from his journey. Depression, fear, anxiety had put him in a cave when he's supposed to be going on his journey. And now he's taking a break from what God had called him to do because he can't get himself together. Holy Spirit shows up. God shows up. What are you doing here? Thunder, lightning, wind, rain, hail, tornadoes. God's not in it. And God says, whispers to him. He wraps up his head in a towel, walks out of the cave because he now has heard the voice of God and he's going to meet with God. The second question God asks him after he comes out of the cave is, what are you doing here? The question doesn't mean why are you in this exact location. The question is, why aren't you going on your journey? Why aren't you, why aren't you on your journey? Why have you stopped? Why have you paused? Are you with me? The Lord says to him now, what's the first thing after that experience? The Lord says to him, go. Go. The same way you came, travel. Get back on your journey. Skip down to verse 20. Uh, skip down to verse 19. So Elijah, you, you're a fantastic word person. Okay. Elijah went and found Elisha, son of uh, Shaf, you know, that guy, plowing a field. I think his name is Shaphat. What do y'all think? Sure. Shaphat. You know what I'm doing right now when I pause? Is you should be thankful I'm not saying things that are going through my head. Like, never mind. Okay, okay. Okay, so there's Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing a field. They were 12 teams of oxen in the field. Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elisha went over to him and threw, Elijah went over to Elisha and threw his cloak on him. Now, look, this is what happens. He threw his cloak on him, and then he stood there waiting for his response. He's walking by, sees him in the field, walks up to him, throws his cloak. And, the, and, and, and instead of waiting for a response, he just continues on his journey. <laughs> right? He's not going to let anything stop him from his journey. He's going to go on his journey. And he's going to say, follow me. Are you with me? Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elisha, said to him, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, I'm going to, I want to follow you, but first, I need to go and kiss my father and my mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go back, but uh, think about what I've done to you. I love when one version is like, what have I done? What have I done to you? The, the thought is, think about the opportunity you've been presented 
Are you with me? And so Elijah returned to his oxen and slaughtered them so that he could not go back. Slaughtered them and used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. I love the Old Testament. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Elijah is incomplete without Elisha. But Elisha is going to follow Elijah. But Elijah will not wait and waste time trying to talk somebody into an opportunity that was handed to them from God. So I've, I've kind of pointed, I've, I've beat home the point this morning that you need to be having somebody following you. Look at me now, church, especially y'all, you in this room that are young or new in Christ. If somebody has to beg you to follow them, if somebody comes up to you and says, follow me as I follow Christ, and you say, wait, I will when it's appropriate for me, you're still showing the, the revealing of the heart that it's all about me and my timing and how I want to do it. Sometimes the most inconvenient way is God's way. Matter of fact, rarely is the most convenient way God's way. You know, we like to say when an inconvenient uh, opportunity is presented to us, well, I don't have peace about it. Right, you're not going to. It's not convenient. It's not peaceful. It's matter of fact, it costs you something. I need you to kill your ox, kill your livelihood, feed the town people. I need you to come follow me. Uh, hey, this is not the first time. This wouldn't be the last time in the scripture when it was the request was, can I go back and say goodbye to my mom and dad? And the answer is no. The next guy who said that, he was even more, uh, you know, hard. His name was Jesus. Right? Right? And so here we are. It's my opinion that Elijah does not fully overcome his depression unless he goes and gets a disciple. It's my opinion he needed an outlet to minister and pour into, not from his deficiency, but he needed something that made him want to get up in the morning again and try harder. It's called accountability. If you don't think for a second, now hear me, this is going to mess with some of y'all. Do, does Chester love Jesus? Who said no? Sure he does. Does Chester possess all the willpower within himself to always be on top of his spiritual game? Do you? That was funny, right? Do you? If you don't think for a second that there are days when I wake up and I don't feel like getting in the Word and I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like being spiritual that day, but then I remember there's some people out there that are listening to me. It pushes me forward to good works. Should that be the only motivation for what I do? Absolutely not. Amen? Oh, sorry. 
Should that be the only motivation? No. But the fact is, is when I'm left to myself and I have no responsibility and no accountability to anybody else, I'll end up doing what my flesh wants to do most of the time. Are you hearing me? It's time that we started taking some responsibility for the body of Christ in the body of Christ. I'm telling you, there's giftings and talents sitting in this room that if, 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 if you died today, they would die with you because you are not discipling somebody. Are you with me? I do not want to turn around and look behind me and realize I'm just walking down a road by myself. The command of God. I've been given authority. You go on your journey and you take somebody with you. When the disciples asked Jesus this question, teach me to pray. The scripture says he set them down and evenly spaced out chairs in perfect rows, stood above in front of them with the pulpit and began to share them the scriptures on prayer and taught them how to pray. Is that what it says? He, touched, he taught a class on prayer. He began to pray and demonstrated prayer. And if you go throughout the scripture, you can see places where Jesus is praying with his disciples and he's upset. Listen to me. I believe, in my personal opinion, that when Jesus is in the garden and he goes to them and says, you can't pray for an hour, he's not upset because they can't pray for an hour. He's upset because they've taught, he's taught them better than that in prayer. You with me? And so the point is, is all of us are on a journey. Most of us need to be taking somebody with us on our journey. And here's the real kicker. Do we have the guts enough to go find a rotten person in El Dorado, like a tax collector, and say, will you follow me as I follow Christ? Right? If I said to you right now, I want you to find one person you can disciple, most of us would look around the room and think, who's really doing pretty good? I can just kind of help a little bit. <laughs> right? Who's doing pretty good? I can kind of help a little bit. No, not them. No, no, no not her. She's no, no, no. She's tough. No, no, no. I, I've been. She got an attitude problem. Uh, him. Hey, hey, this guy. You know, he's a good candidate. He doesn't seem like he has a lot of drama. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus wasn't saying. Matter of fact, think about this fact, and I'm done. Think about this fact. Jesus is alive for. 33 and a half years, he ministered for three and a half years, and he's going to die. He knows he's going to die. This is not like, oh, wait, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get killed soon. No, he knows he's going to die. And whenever he decides how I'm going to take the three and a half years of ministry and pass it on to the rest of the world, I'm going to choose the 12 best qualified men for that job. Ha <laughs> ha! And so he decided to get a fisherman who had a potty mouth. <laughs> you can't do that. I will. Okay. He decided, <laughs> he decided to get a fisherman with a potty mouth. He decided to get a touch collector who was cheating people. He tried to get a guy who was too scared to go out and, 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 and believe in the supernatural. He had to add physical evidence to put his finger in him. 
Yet what we do, we say, I'm going to find the absolute best candidate to disciple. I'm going to find the perfect person who's, who can really do it. Jesus didn't have that mindset. Why do we? Jesus said, I'm going to take a 12 ordinary unlearned men. That's not Chester's, that's, Jesus, that's Bible talking. I take 12 ordinary unlearned men, I'm going to pour into their life, and when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to take 12 ordinary unlearned men, and he's going to use them to rock the world. That's discipleship. Would to God that we would all find one person who was messed up, one person who wasn't right with God and say, can I show you the way? Do you want to go with me on a journey? What would this church look like? What would Elder Ray look like? What would the body of Christ look like if we took his mandate of discipleship seriously? Stand up on your feet. You are clapping because I didn't use amen very much, right? <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm, I'm proud of myself. I think there was like, what? How many of y'all took score? How many of y'all kept score? Come on, don't lie. Somebody just shot me two. There was two times, three times. Missy, six times? That's a, not right. You're the devil. Anyway, so here we go. <laughs> Missy's not the devil. She had a dream from God that makes her not the devil. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's lunch too. Yeah, there's like all kinds of good stuff. Remember that stuff I said I shouldn't say in my head? It's time to stop talking now, Chester. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer over this church that many people, I, I would hope, would embrace. God, I'm asking you to burden the hearts of the people in this room that they would not feel any peace inside of themselves until they began to take somebody with them on their journey. Bother us with the Great Commission. Holy Spirit, bother us with the Great Commission. Increase in your people a lack of understanding that they have authority. And I pray, God, that the lonelier in our walk we are, the lonelier we would feel, that we would actually feel the need from heaven, from God, to take somebody with us on our journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Hey, I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night. You have a fantastic day. We hope that this message from Cross Life Church was a blessing and encouragement to you. If we can pray for you or help in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.